Okay, we're back. And uh, I think it was Lynn Abramson or something like that was the woman, but she... Every, all these priests' names she released, and she didn't find anything against them. So, you know, it's corporation against corporation, spiritual corporations, no less. And, uh, Sam, if you want to get number two ready, we'll hear Greg Grease talk about uh, pole shift. Uh, number two. Okay. Oh, I didn't give you a slip. <laughs> what? Huh. Let me see if I can find you a better link. Uh, yeah, it's only four minutes and then we can stop it at the nine second mark after four minute nine second <laughs> oh no the French farmers are dumping manure onto government buildings and onto the roads they are turning freeways into fields and setting them on fire. They are blocking the motorways and they are dumping and destroying foreign imported foods. They are sending a message out to the people that government decreed starvation is coming. And it's not just the French, it's happening in Germany. Greece, Spain, Belgium, Italy, and Ireland, and it looks like it's just getting started. This is of course in response to the European Union's green agenda. The EU is imposing extreme regulations on farmers, which are forcing them out of business. Globalist media is spreading propaganda that farming is bad for the environment. And domestic terrorists in America are setting fire to farms. This is all being blamed on the lie that humans are responsible for climate change. And so the solution for Western governments seems to be to depopulate, or rather, murder its own people. History tells us that the climate does radically change. Examples such as the Younger Dryas Ice Age that occurred 12,000 years ago shows us that these things do happen. And the current level of earthquake activity and volcanic eruptions could be an indicator that the climate is radically changing again. In the late 1940s, Major Maynard White, commander of Project Nanook, discovered that the Earth experiences routine magnetic pole flips that occur in the span of just one day. But this information was suppressed from the public and was directly followed by the birth of the United Nations global warming propaganda campaign. Western governments adopted the man-made global warming cover story 
But this does not seem to be the case in the East. In Russia, talk of a pole shift is openly being discussed. Russian scientists have been tracking the wandering magnetic north, which has been exponentially moving towards Siberia for decades. And even state-run media RIA News has been reporting that the North and South Magnetic Poles have repeatedly changed places and that it could happen again at any moment. Russian media has even cited the work of the sleeping American prophet Edgar Cayce, who predicted a sudden climate change that would lead to the death of cities and cause the European Arctic to thaw. The Russian Federation seems to be preparing for this pole shift. Massive infrastructure is being developed in the Eurasian Arctic, and Russian bases in Antarctica are being drastically restored. The farmers in Russia are not being attacked. They are being given extra subsidies by the government and encouraged to expand. These contrasting agendas between the East and the West could explain the current conflicts. If the poles are expected to flip, then it would explain just about all the madness that is happening today. And the plan of the Western governments appears to be to cull the population and weather the storm underground. Greg Reese reporting. Okay. I guess that'll do it for Greg. But, you know, we have John Moore um, in the... um, Monday through Friday mornings, and he has uh, followed this for some time, and he likes to collect all these um, pictures that people uh, gather of how the coastline is expected to look, the coastlines, plural, but particularly I think he thinks around uh, the 48 here states um, after all of this happens, and expected for basically the continent to kind of split where the uh, Mississippi is. And that's where a lot of the um, the breaks in the continents hide, kind of, under rivers, you know. So, uh, who knows? You know, I, I was really attracted to studying this for a long time, and of course they can't pinpoint any dates. And uh, who knows? But when it happens, it will happen fairly rapidly. And I say when because uh, it's a good chance, you know. I think these things have happened more often than we than we know. I'm, we we're finding out about Tartaria and the mud floods and the orphan trains and all that kind of stuff and time discrepancies and calendar events and things. And so, um, anyway, I find it very interesting. And, and uh, of course, they try to say a lot of the things they try to pin on that are things that happened during the flood. That happened very rapidly, too, but it went on for a year. And small uh, dinosaurs, even, could have been led by God into the ark, you know? And um, maybe even under a stasis where they're not needing to, um, you know, have their normal body functions. It's not, it's hard to say, but that definitely is a fact, too, and there's that that would like uh, Reese. Oh, there's another Reese, right? Who called in said about on the side of the mountain of 13,000 feet where no wood grew. Is here's the petrified wood, right? That's carved. And so, um, and and that's the thing. There's so much to research and the uh, 
Institute for Creation Research, uh, I find very interesting. There's different sites and things, but like they said, it's it's not for answers; it's for research. Because, you know, they don't know any everything either. But they have a YouTube channel, and they just started a new series um, about dinosaurs. And so I guess we'll get into that. And then, like I said, if anyone wants to start calling in, we can stop it and and uh, see what you have to say or wait till after. So where I think it goes for about 26 minutes. Um, and I'm there, number five. Uh, 21 minutes. Well, almost 22. Sorry, number five, the last one there. We know dinosaurs existed. And we learn more about them every day. What were they like? How can we learn even more? It's like piecing together a puzzle when you don't know what the final picture will be. You know, for centuries, people on every continent have found fossilized remains but have had no idea what the bones were. The first person to understand that these creatures were different than any other was Sir Richard Owen, a 19th century comparative anatomist and reptile expert. In 1841, he named them Dinosauria, or Terribly Great Reptiles. But did they really live 65 million years ago, as we've been told? If you're a Christian, then the timeline is important. If the dinosaurs went extinct before humans existed, then what does that mean about death after Adam's sin? And if the dinosaurs lived in the time of humans, were they on Noah's Ark? Did they too die in a global flood? Does the existence of dinosaurs contradict the Bible? I'm Marcus Lloyd, and in this series, we're going to look for the answers to those questions and more. So let's get started. Let's start digging into dinosaurs. Once, we shared our world with strange creatures, whole kinds of animals that vanished not so long ago. Leaving only traces behind. What happened to them? Did they slowly go extinct? Or was it something sudden, something global and cataclysmic? Can science answer these questions? Can the Bible unravel this mystery? This series will look to both science and the Bible to help bring dinosaurs back to life, to find some answers to the many questions they have left us. Uncovering the truth about dinosaurs. Digging into dinosaurs. Scientists at the excavation site we're heading toward use the most modern equipment and technology to unlock the mysteries buried in these hills. So uh, far, there have been Wyoming. about 60 kinds of dinosaurs found throughout the world. Between the 1870s and 1890s, rivalries between scientists fueled a great dinosaur rush. 
While those years brought many advancements in the study of dinosaurs, the most amazing discoveries actually happened in the last few decades in places like this. Wow, this is amazing. Here, scientists are listening to the stories these bones have to tell. Paleontologists see the layers of rock on the earth, kind of like pages in a book. Sort of picture a book on its front cover, laying there with the pages horizontally, with the first page being at the bottom, and the subsequent pages all the way to the end of the book piled up on top of it. And that picture each page as a layer of rock, expand that up to half a mile total thickness to a mile, in some cases even thicker than that. So what you're looking at are layers of rock that correspond to pages in a book. Read each page, starting at the bottom, moving to the top. You're reading through time, reading about the history of the earth through time. Unlike books, <laughs> not all the pages in this book of the earth are there. Some of them have washed away. Some of them have been destroyed in some way or another, or they're fragmentary. As a paleontologist, when I see a fossil, I don't see evidence of death, I see evidence of life. But my second response to it is, so how did it get this way? <laughs> how did it get to where it's not alive? So as a paleontologist, my second job, in a sense, is to sort of be a forensic pathologist, like a person who's uh, at a crime scene trying to figure out what happened. If we go back a century and a half or so, we had what we call the bone wars. They just discovered dinosaurs for the first time. It's like, whoa, these are cool. And so they dig them up out of the ground, and they'd haul these bones to various places. And you know what? They, they lost the crime scene. They destroyed the crime scene. They put the bones together that were broken, and then they, they assembled these, these beautiful skeletons. But they lost most of the forensic evidence as to what happened, how they got to where they were. So what I'm interested in is actually looking at these bones to figure out how they came to be this way. The fact that we have so many of these things, too, suggests that there's probably a lot of burial going on very quickly, but not like the present. Something unusual is going on. Now, if we kind of pan back a little bit, not just one bone, we find them in great masses. Now the story becomes even more interesting because we haven't just found a individual body. We found hundreds of bodies. We're going to want to know what in the world happened. And that's what we got with the dinosaurs. It's like we only have fragments of the pages in our book. For all we know, entire chapters could be missing. We have to track down every possible source to reconstruct this history. Let's begin by taking a closer look at the dinosaurs themselves, starting with one of the world's most famous. Tyrannosaurus rex Sioux, as it's known, uh, was one of the largest T-Rexes ever discovered in South Dakota. And it's actually now residing in the Field Museum in Chicago. What's spectacular about it is now is it one of the largest and possibly one of the oldest T-Rexes ever discovered, but it's very complete. About 90% of the skeleton is actually real. Also, Sue, with its large head, huge skull, showed some design features that uh, indicate to us it would have been a good predator, probably. Tyrannosaurus rexes in general had very good vision, appears. They actually had stereoscopic vision. You look at the skeleton, 
and you look straight on, its eyes could look right at you. They had very good vision. A lot of dinosaurs could only see to the side, but T-Rex could look directly at you right over the top of its nose. And speaking of the nose, the nose had a very large olfactory lobe in, in the brain, so the nose was probably very, very good. Uh, almost like a shark in the water, a T-Rex could smell things probably miles away. Scientists estimate that Sue was about the size of a large African elephant, five to seven tons. How does a creature that big end up as a fossil? There's only one way. She had to be buried in layers of sediment before scavengers got her or she decayed. Here's another dinosaur who met a mysterious end. There's a spectacular Allosaurus specimen called Ebenezer, and it actually is about a 30-foot-long Allosaurus. So Allosaurus were pretty big, too. And this specimen is about 50% complete. And what's wonderful about this specimen is it has almost a complete skull. It has all of its teeth. All 53 teeth are in the skull. When he was unearthed, his head and neck were separated from the body. There were no bite marks to suggest that a scavenger had torn him apart. Some catastrophic force did this to him. Ebenezer's head was actually tore loose from its body and transported some distance from its body. Just the type of thing you'd expect in a global flood, where these animals were buried rapidly, torn apart limb from limb, and just laid out there for us to find uh, after the flood today. It wasn't just one Allosaurus that was found this way. Powerful forces buried dinosaurs like Sue and Ebenezer in massive fossil beds where thousands of other dinosaurs died. How did it happen? Well, that's a critical question for all Christians. Were the dinosaurs wiped out by the flood as the Bible described? We're going to put all the clues together that we can, gaining evidence and analyzing it until we find our answer. Eddie is an Edmontosaurus that's on display at the Institute for Creation and Research's offices in Dallas, Texas. And it's spectacular because it's a juvenile. The small dinosaurs are rare to find. Uh, You don't really find too many juvenile dinosaurs. And this one seems to be something there of three or four years old. Uh, Only weighed about 400 or so pounds. Uh, It was a nice juvenile-sized dinosaur. Would have been just before its growth spurt. Uh, The ornithopods in general uh, were herbivores. They ate exclusively plants, we believe. And they grazed in huge herds. Eddie's remains were found among swamp animals. Ducks, frogs, lizards, turtles. Creatures that weren't supposed to be alive at that time, according to secular science. But how did they all end up together? There's another young ornithopod, Leonardo, a Brachiolophosaurus found in Montana, whose remains raise more questions. We think of mummies as purposefully preserved, like an Egyptian mummy, where people actually mummified the remains of of their dead. But there are natural mummies, like, for example, people who got stuck in bogs in England. But Leonardo, as a Brachiolophosaurus dinosaur, was mummified in sand, which is weird. So it's a mystery. How do you get a dinosaur locked into sand, and then how do you get it so well-preserved that you can see the stomach contents, you can see where the muscle's attached? Everything's so well-preserved in this dinosaur. It had to have been buried very, very rapidly. You only get that type of preservation when you bury something catastrophically in something like a global flood. But what was extra special about Leonardo was it also had its stomach contents. Its last meal was still inside of its stomach. And they could see that it ate ferns, It ate magnolias and it ate conifers. A dinosaur with skin? Magnolias in the stomach? These are the type of discoveries that bring us closer to the answers we're looking for.
One of the other major dinosaur groups is the Thyreophora, which means the shield bearers. Not only are, do we have the stegosaurs and the ankylosaurs, those general categories, but we have lots of varieties in between. There's different types of stegosaurs, all sorts of varieties of different ways the back was covered. When God designed these animals, he designed these animals with a tremendous amount of variety in them. Uh, they weren't changing kinds, but there were lots of variety within that kind. The Stegosaurus, of course, is noted for its plated characteristics, having the plates going along the back. And yet, interestingly enough, we've never found any fossils of Stegosaurus that look like that. We have found the plates lying around the fossilized remains of the creature. And evolutionists, paleontologists can only guess that that is how the plates were associated with the dinosaur. Some say the plates are for heat regulation. Others say it might be some kind of display or perhaps even in terms of defense. The fact is that we're not sure, except it's one more unique, created kind of creature. And then there were the gentle giants, the great sauropods. These were some of the longest and heaviest of all dinosaurs. At one time, ancient swamps would have been full of them. We know this from the vast number of swamp-like plant and animal fossils found around the world. Of all the sauropods, Brachiosaurus is probably one of the most unusual. When God designed the Brachiosaurus, he made it different than all other sauropodomorphs. He actually had the front legs longer than the back legs. Every other dinosaur, Apatosaurus, Diplodocus, all the other sauropods, the long necks, all of them have shorter front legs and longer back legs. But the Brachiosaurus was built to stand with its head sticking way up into the air. And we see that in some of the Jurassic Park movies. All that is able to be done because of these beautiful design structures that allow flexibility along with some rigidity to it that allow lightening of the skeletal structure so that it's not as heavy as you might think and is all supported by giant columns and pillars. This is a beautiful design that when you look at all the pieces, they work together. And they work together not just for one animal, but for all the wide variety of the different sauropods. They all have slightly different variations on the same design cues. One of the unique kinds of ceratopsian creatures are the triceratops. And even Triceratops come in a variety of forms and a variety of shapes and sizes. Now, all the different species within the Ceratopsia that, uh, that we know of all have frills. They have these uh, extensions of the bones of their skull that go backwards over the neck. Now, the Triceratops is unusual because it's a solid sheet of bone that goes from the back of the skull all the way to the end of the frill. And then there's these neat little knobs and, and bony small spikes that rim the perimeter. So what we find is that when we see a feature on an animal like the frill of a ceratopsian, it doesn't just have one function to that feature. Instead, it serves a variety of different purposes, not just for protection, but also for jaw muscles and probably for display and for species identification and recognition of males and females. We only have part of the picture, but what we do is part of something absolutely stunningly gorgeous. While the physical details varied, all the important features are in place on these dinosaurs. You don't see evidence that they evolved from another specimen. It's just one gloriously diverse group, as if God created different varieties just for the beauty of them. There's still one more creature to look at, a dinosaur with a reputation as a bloodthirsty killer, thanks to the movie Jurassic Park, the Velociraptor. Well, velociraptors are another type of theropod dinosaur. Most of these became meat eaters probably after the curse, after man sinned, and then they 
started eating each other and anything they could probably get. But, however, in the movies, velociraptors are made out to be much bigger than they are. Really, the velociraptor was a lot smaller. Its skull was probably only about six or eight inches long in reality and probably wasn't nearly as vicious or nearly as smart as they're portrayed in the movies. We can tell from the fossil record that there are about 60 families of dinosaurs. There are two major types based on their hip structures. All dinosaurs can be classified into either lizard hip dinosaurs or bird hip dinosaurs. There's three bones in the pelvis. The pubis bone is the one that comes forward in the T-Rex. And so it kind of supports the belly. And that's the lizard hip style. So theropods like T-Rex and Velociraptor had the lizard hip style. Sauropodomorphs, surprisingly, the long necks also had the lizard hip style. All the other types of dinosaurs there, the three varieties, the ornithopods, the thyreophorans, and the ceratopsians, they all had the bird hip style. What's kind of ironic about that is the secular world says that the T-Rexes and the theropods, the velociraptors turned into birds, but yet they have the lizard hip style. Do these distinctions matter? Yes. It's important to know whether dinosaurs evolved into modern birds and reptiles, as is widely believed, or whether they always existed just as God designed them. First, we need to look at what a dinosaur is and isn't. We need to understand the difference between them and modern-day reptiles. See, scientists used to think that all dinosaurs moved like alligators, with their legs out to the side, bellies and tails dragging. But Richard Owen and others noticed something in the hip structure of dinosaur fossils. The legs came straight down from the body, which meant they moved more like a rhinoceros or an elephant. We've also found thousands of dinosaur footprints that show an upright position with the feet close together. We find very few signs that any of them drag their bellies on the ground. Well, one of the features on this femur shows us uh, something that all dinosaurs have, whether it's this little Thessalosaurus, a big T-Rex, or even the Triceratops that's uh, behind me. All of them have a femur that turns inward at the top and points in towards the hip socket. So that this animal's femur sits in a socket, sort of like ours, but is physically constructed a little bit different. So all dinosaurs have this feature. There's about seven other features that all dinosaurs possess in order to identify themselves as dinosaurs. Some of them are bones in the skull, uh, certain ways that they split. Others are ones such as the neck vertebrae. And it doesn't matter what dinosaur you are, all of them have these particular features. There are other features in the lower parts of the leg and the ankle bones as well. Dinosaurs all held their tails out straight of their body. We know this because uh, we have hundreds, thousands of dinosaur tracks around the world and no evidence of tail drag marks along with them. Uh, the f footprints are the only thing that are there. They're not dragging their bellies. They're not dragging their tails. We know from fossil evidence that dinosaurs lived all over the world. Many scientists agree that Earth once had a single supercontinent. And then at some point, and for reasons we'll discuss, this supercontinent broke apart and the pieces drifted to what we know as the continents today. We know from geology that many of the places that are now dry were once tropical wetlands. We know from fossils that much of the Earth was a warmer climate then, and it was filled with plants like ferns and conifers. Scientists have found evidence of grass in fossilized dung sauropods. And if you remember from Job 40, the behemoth was a grass eater. Look now at the behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. But most evolutionists don't believe grass existed then. Whose view makes more sense? Researchers have found original tissue in the brow horn of a fossilized triceratops. 
but soft tissue decays at a rapid rate. So that raises questions about how dinosaurs could be tens of millions of years old. And it raises the possibility that they lived in the time of humans. If humans coexisted with dinosaurs, then Noah took them on the ark. But how can that be? Those things were huge. How could they possibly fit? So we have a variety of dinosaurs, from very, very small dinosaurs, again, about the size of birds, all the way up to these big, huge sauropods that uh, lumbered through and made a lot of noise, I'm sure, when they walked, that weighed about 50 tons. Uh, what we've discovered, though, is the median size, the average size, we like to call it, of a dinosaur is about the size of an American bison. When we grow up as children, we're sort of captivated by these all righty, we'll finish this up on the other side. Thank you, Sam. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, in trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back. Uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. American Freedom News is your daily website that will keep you fully informed on what both the good guys and bad guys are doing in the information war in which we are all engaged. Fed up with the lies of the fake news media and the censorship of big tech giants? American Freedom News is the solution as we provide truth and knowledge on all the vital issues of the day. American Freedom News believes in America first. The establishment wants us split into numerous hostile groups rather than uniting in a common cause against the corrupt oligarchy that is plundering America and the world. Many more Americans are waking up and realizing they are the victims of the ongoing Great Replacement and Great Reset. But the malevolent forces trying to systematically destroy America can and will be defeated. Be fully informed by reading American Freedom News, the best news and information site on the Internet. Go to AmericanFreedomNews.us and find out for yourself. That's AmericanFreedomNews.us. there. Are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop and lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop and lift? 
RESOP is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the EaseOff installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows too. Ease off LLC four one seven nine three two six four one nine. back and I guess we'll hear the rest of this and then we'll have some other things and maybe some phone calls. Oh no, not again. <laughs> of huge dinosaurs like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, the big Brontosaurus, but we don't realize that there's just an equal number of dinosaurs that were really small. How do we know these things? by comparing fossilized remains. There are multiple types of fossils, and we categorize them by how they were made. The best known is mineralization, where bones are petrified, basically turned to stone. And then there's carbonization, which is a little more rare. This is the imprint of soft tissue. We also have molds and casts, some of which show the external imprints of dinosaur skin. There's what we call trace fossils. These are some of the most exciting. Essentially, they are anything that the dinosaur left behind. This can include footprints and even dinosaur dung. We're learning what these creatures ate by studying their droppings. Scientists have actually found gastroliths, round, smooth stones in the stomach region of dinosaurs that help them digest food. And the fifth type of dinosaur fossil is preservation. And they're finding more and more that dinosaur original soft tissues are and have been preserved in the dinosaurs. They're finding blood cells, they're finding blood vessels. With every new dinosaur find, with new tools to analyze the discoveries, the shadows begin to lift. The mysteries start to fall away, and we're gaining a deeper understanding of these creatures. So paleontology is a lot like forensics. You're walking into a crime scene, one that's fossils. And because it's fossils, it's a crime scene that doesn't have any witnesses. The only witnesses are the stones that have a story to tell, but it's the job of the paleontologist to tease that out from the fossils and from the rocks in which we find them. We're getting one step closer to showing that dinosaur fossils are not as old as you've been led to believe. All right. I find that very interesting. And like I said, the uh, YouTube's in the chat room and you can find it at uh, Institute for Creation Research. Uh, YouTube channel and it was just put up there I guess yesterday I think uh, that particular video but um, on one of our trips we um, my family 
went to Wyoming where there was a, a dinosaur national monument park and uh, they had it close in in the area and the people in there with their little brushes and slowly, slowly, slowly <laughs> getting some stuff out of the rocks. And, um, and when, um, well, I just had the one, my, our daughter so far and my friend had two children about the same age as my daughter. And she came across, this friend came across, um, uh, the idea of, uh, making dinosaurs and she had this neat kind of kind of a naugahyde but softer uh so you could like wipe it off so she asked me to make stuffed animals stuffed uh, dinosaurs out of them so that was fun big yellow brontosaurus and a green triceratops and i forget what the other one was but it was fun and you could throw them around and have fun with them so uh but we were talking here too about the uh Catholic priest and Lynn Abraham was the woman's name who was uh, who prosecuted these uh, priests and she just released the names of all these different priests even if even though there was no accusations against them but then you have to remember Jews like to get even of course she's a Jew and who was it yeah it was the Philadelphia Catholics who put the crimp on the Jewish movies kept their decadent movies at bay for quite some time until like Michael Jones says and it's proven out that they got through the codes broke the codes with the pawnbroker because of the Holocaust you see how useful this event that never happened is yeah it's pretty pretty much a shame but also uh, tonight during the uh, rebel uh, Rebel in the Renegades Roundtable show, that's 8 to 10 p.m. Central and 9 to 11 Eastern. The reveal of who won the St. Andrew's Cross and a.k.a. Confederate Battle Flag quilt. So that'll be fun to know. And in case you've forgotten the numbers or don't want to talk to me, <laughs> it's 512-248-8252 512-248-8252 and a third time 512-248-8252 or 800-313-9443 800-313-9443 but I'd just like to hear what you have to say about any of these things I just I think it they are they're all um connected you know, the time on this planet and the way things change. And uh, I think people are more, more, um, well, it's been shown to be true. Um, a woman named Charlotte King um, was an earth sensitive. I'm not sure if she's still alive, but she um, uh, kind of maps out on the body where different parts on the earth, you feel the, the sensations and can predict uh what will happen there and she was really good at it but it actually made her very very ill and uh, she was a walk-in apparently and there's been been a lot of people that are walk-ins or even walk-throughs and that refers to the fact and usually is because the person doesn't want to live and sometimes even attempts suicide and makes a deal and 
and another spirit walks in and takes control of their body and they've been shown to be from other places not from around here and the walkthroughs are very much focused on world leaders where these different spirits will walk through one of these leaders and so they get a taste for trying to direct it's along the lines of the thoughts like we're talking about whether they come from one side or the other and it's kind of the same thing in a way and we know there's so much stress put on everything because no one knows what's going to happen for sure or when it will happen but these um these things like uh chile for instance when there's uh going to be earthquakes there two days before it's felt but it's also shown in mass unrest in different places and um so it's connected but also i don't know if you people remember in 2018 and before that there were these sounds of loud trumpets i should find some of that and get sam to play it but i won't right now but anyway it's very loud trumpets seem to be coming from the sky and no one can pinpoint what it is or where it's coming from, but exactly. But afterward, there would be earthquakes and especially volcanic activity. And we've had the largest amount of volcanic activity, I think, on record. And I think it's a desperation of these Satanists that um, they're not going down without a fight. They'd rather do the Samson option. Uh-huh. You know, whether it mean, uh, I don't, I don't think their, their nuclear stuff would even work right from where it is. You know, they, yeah, blow themselves up, but it wouldn't get out to everybody like they're saying it would. But then it's predicted that all the different armies would be right there because they have lost influence. People are tired of the lies. And it's also been shown, like I was saying with Blackbird yesterday, how that Ayud Barak and other former leaders in Israel say that uh, there's never been a kingdom they've never had a kingdom quote unquote that lasted more than 80 years and this is the 75th year for Israel so Israel hell I call it because they're not the right occupants and they know it and it's um, whether they're trying to force prophecy and that's so to confuse everyone else um, and then some say, you know, they're preterists and say all prophecy has been fulfilled. Well, I don't know. I think that's in God's hands, and I'm glad it is because I wouldn't want any of these people to have it in their hands. Although, he does work through them. He works through each of us, works mysteriously through every one of us, every day, every minute, every breath. Oh, I got CFR to hell. That's Sovereign Man, in other other words, chiming in on the Skype. Go ahead. Oh, oh no. Okay, he, never mind. I, it was a message from his Skype. I guess he doesn't know I'm on air. He forgets. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, were you? Well, I thought he was Skyping in here. I saw the Skype message, but it, I guess it was... No, I, it just flashed. He just it just said ping. So I he, I guess he was just letting me know he was there. I guess I told him before he tried to get me to contact him. A, it was a few minutes before another show. So he's just forgotten that I have a show at this time. I guess 
He can come on if he wants. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and see if he's there to bring in. I don't know. Okay. So, oh, okay, we have Kevin in Georgia. Not everybody hates me. <laughs> Kevin, are you there? Hey, beautiful. How you doing? Oh, thank you. How are you? Good. I got all kinds of uh, info now. As a friend of mine said at work one day, you weren't there and I wasn't there, so how do we know 100% that it's true? But. I've been listening to, have you ever heard of James McKenney? He's an mm -hmm. independent scientist. Yeah. Uh, he and some other people have said, well, he said as far as the sounds, the trumpets, is actually uh, actually all the, all the people on Earth at certain points in time have lost their hearing 100% because it got so loud. And it's because of how a tornado forms, the whirling action of how the electricity goes from positive to negative and causes a... Coriolis effect and, and makes a sound through 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 the uh, atmosphere. Hmm, that's interesting. It's a very interesting. Could be, although I'm a little doubtful about him because I had called into John Moore show when he was on, and it was at the end of his hour. And to be fair, it was September of 2018, I believe, and uh, Dabu Seven and uh, Florida McKee were back and forth about these frequency weapons of some sort off the coast of Africa, the west coast of Africa. There's an island there, and it's bare, and the dry lake bed was apparently being used as this frequency weapon, and you could see a pattern that shot down to Antarctica, and then a larger pattern, similarly, shot up into the North Atlantic, and it kept Helene, the eighth storm that year, from coming on land and turning into a hurricane. It sent it up into the cold waters of the North Atlantic. Well, he was very, he and John Moore were very, oh, no, you, you only use YouTube to help you do stuff. And <laughs> and the next week when he came on, he was chewing me out about it. That woman. And at that time, he was very much backing up Christine Blasey Ford. Remember her? If she yeah. even existed, you never hear anything about her anymore, right? Against uh, Brett, uh, oh, what's his name, the judge? Yeah. And in fact, Mr. E did a thing where uh, it looked like it was Brett in drag playing <laughs> Christine. And they weren't in the, in the uh, courtroom at the same time at all, ever. And he looked so freshly scrubbed when he did come in afterward. <laughs> I wouldn't be at all surprised. You know, they just do anything anymore. I mean, it was a real character performance wow. there she played. But he was backing her. McCanny was backing her as being one of the Yacht Club sect and how just defending her and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, anyway. So so you can have differences of opinion. It doesn't matter how smart you are. No. Like you said, we each don't. None of us know everything. <laughs> no, you know, I talked to him once, and he did, he totally uh, said no to to uh, to something I talked about. I got a picture somehow or another. I got a scarf from Crystal or whatever, and it was a little section of the moon, and it showed the craters on the moon. And believe it or not, they were in pairs, two huge craters 
the one huge one. Then there was another one a fair distance apart uh, to, to the other. And then you had a small one. And the smaller ones, the identical sizes now, uh, one was a one, one that, and then they got smaller, and it's in pairs. And then I've heard of the electric universe theory, and, and, and it's like uh, twisted pair wires to, to keep the um, – anyways, the electricity goes through the universe or wherever – and, and it actually, I believe that it comes down onto the moon in different places and actually causes these craters because they're totally smooth and they're not dented like, like the asteroid came in at an angle. And on, on the very uh, high areas of the moon, some of the craters actually have uh, uh, lines coming off from them, like there was electric uh, uh, sparks that caused uh, lines in, on the on the uh, on the ground and and they uh, they've done research on this since the 20s but mckinney just blew it off mm-hmm. yeah he does that um, a lot too and i don't blame him i mean you know he knows what he knows and he doesn't want to venture yeah. into some of the other things but a lot of these and and like the thunderbolts the electric they leave out some stuff a lot of these are um trying to avoid what we know about god creation and the flood you oh, know, yeah. and I, I would be annoyed with my current self. My former self would probably be very annoyed with my current self <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, we, just, we have different stages we go through. Go ahead. I, I'm I'm 68, almost 69, and I can't believe it. I just bounce around and I, I uh, uh, it's just, I mean, granted, I don't have all the energy, but I know it's partially of what I'm, what I'm eating and stuff like that, but it's just other people, uh, it's just, it's incredible how, how sad it is, how they're the age. And I talked to a guy yesterday, I did a March for Life thing here in Chattanooga, and I talked to this one guy, 94 years old, and he was doing pretty darn good, and he was in World War II, the Korean War, he knows the F-105 that I worked on in the Vietnam War, and he's still kicking, and he and he was a Marine. I said, super, he said Super 5 to me, and I said, you know, Marines, they only use Marines to be at the embassies because they will, they'll, they'll follow orders no matter what. And when Reagan got shot, he got rid of the Secret Service and had Marines guard him at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, Herbert Walker Bush, George H.W. Bush was behind that, you know, the guy's oh. name, Hinckley. And it was an ice bullet, apparently, that they shot him with because it just dissolved. Yeah. It was it oh was more or less, and they made him go out the back door and all this stuff. You know, he didn't want Herbert as his vice president either. They forced that on him, and he ran Reagan's administration. And, uh, and I've said before, too, uh, um, what's her name? Um, Ruth Montgomery that wrote some books and the one Aliens Among Us and stuff and uh, how... You know, they, um, I don't know. It, it's just interesting because th- there's just so many influences and whether or not, uh, you know, we can't put our finger on them. But um, the electrical stuff is is real. Uh, we're electrical beings, you know, and that's why it's important for us to ground when we can, you know, because discharge that energy. But I don't know. You know, you were talking about dinosaurs, and I guess you're aware of this, that there's hundreds, if not thousands, of little uh, small-sized rocks that have been painted on and show children and grown-ups riding on small dinosaurs down in, in, in Central and South America. Have you ever heard of that? 
Well, I I don't think I have. That sounds pretty interesting. Oh yeah, and then evidently uh, there's there's giants, and I, the most recent giant I heard of could have been a thousand foot tall and, and as big as a mountain. When <laughs> well, yeah, and then but, of course you you get people with the flat Earth thing, and uh, that we you know that the rainbows just reflected off the dome, and we don't have access to space and. But then there's other things, too. Um, Harry Hubbard at YouTube. He's a very interesting guy, well-studied and stuff. And and he had direct, uh, you know, installing satellites and stuff. And he questions the Kuiper belts, you know? So we don't mm. know what's true. Um, are we barred from some of these things? Or is it just so uh, different than we might expect, you know? Well, you heard about the green glass that, that supposedly had uh, remnants of atomic explosions in different parts of, of the world, in India and different places, and also I hear it's on Mars as well. Of course, I've heard we've had bases on all of these places, and uh, uh, Dr. Bill Deagle, he said that he was a, a, a doctor for, for all the services and stuff like that, and he, he started spilling the beans, so to speak, on all these different situations, but, you know, it's, he's gone now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he was an interesting character, but uh, there again, you know, you you really have to hone your discernment, <laughs> and, uh, you know, with some of the things. But it's interesting that you say green glass because the Book of Thoth, you know, they say they sort of make comparisons with the Moses and the Ten Commandments, you know, carved in stone, and how these uh, glass um, glasses were um, uh, found by Mount Hermon, and that's supposed to be where you know these. 200 uh, alien, uh, aliens, angels, fallen angels descended, supposedly. Mm. And there's a, a super soldier, John Irvin or Irwin, Irwin, I think it is, from Britain in the 50s. They were doing this back in the 50s that had known known all about this kind of stuff. So you got something else for me? I see we have another caller, Mary in California. What you got, Kevin? No, just every once in a while. It's it's, it's a pleasure uh, with, with uh, GCN allowing me to talk to you live all over the world. So God bless you and thank you and and, and the best to your health and and your life. I love you. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's RBN though. It's not GCN. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I did say that. <laughs> That's okay. all right. Stat Miller started that one too, from what I understand. So. <laughs> well, hang in there, babe. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hi, Mary. Uh, great show today. Uh, hi, Ms. Mur. Uh, great show today. Um, I just, I, I'm not going to say anything negative. I'm just going to mention this, you know, once, because I know we don't want to bash our uh, other hosts, or the other hosts on RBN. But I just feel every time I listen, which I rarely do anymore, but anytime I listen to John Moore, all of his guests that he have has on are always controlled up. And, uh, like, he's got one guy, I don't know his name, but he, the guy is a pure Zionist. And anytime he's talking about politics that are going on in the Middle East, it's uh, basically what Fox News says, you know, and it's always fake history. And then he has, I think it's, is it Steve Mnunu? It's the guy who says he's Steve, Christian. Steve, Steve Mnunu, yeah, with the Israeli yeah. News Live. Yeah, that and then the other so one's probably Jeff that you're thinking of. Go ahead. Yes, 
Yes, so annoying. I mean, you know, anytime I listen to these controlled op people, it's just drives me insane. You know, like I said, I don't listen anymore, but occasionally if I go to RBN and they happen to be on, I'll listen. And, right. you know, it, they always give themselves away. Like, for instance, the Steve person, ex-CIA, Jewish, now he's Christian. And then, um, you know, he says that there's, a, you know, the government's involved and they have people on the moon. There you go. There's first clue. Then he says that, you know, whenever the Vatican gets it's alien bodies that they have in their deep underground. They'll uh, work with the Pentagon to do, you know, to do the investigations. I mean, the, everything he talks about is so ridiculous. It's such a lie. And it's very easy for them just to say, oh, I'm Christian now, like Alex Jones. Oh, I'm Christian now. Yeah. You know, it's just ridiculous. So I'm glad well, that actually, you can't too, a lot of those things are actually true. I'm um, finding out like with from Jesse Sabah, other ones that have been, you know, this Luciferian brotherhood, they call it. And, of course, Lucifer was just a mistranslation. They like the light, you know, it's always Satan and the devil in the, in the Bible. But they do have a lot of this underground stuff going on and have had for generations, sadly. Oh, yes. I agree with all the underground stuff. They're underground people. They're the boat people, the underground people. But, you know, when they bring up the alien angle, you know, they're all doing this now because they want to force the alien thing on us. Oh, I didn't know we were about out of time here. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's it's hard to tell, but I I think it's more along the demonic line because it seems like oh, they're yes. protected if they reject right. Christ. Aliens, Excuse what me. they call aliens, are the demons. Correct. I would think so. Yeah, great show. Thank you, thank you for calling in. God bless thank you, sweetie. Bye bye. Thank you, and I'm sorry if I missed you, CFR to hell, sovereign man. I didn't know how to bring you in. I'm, I'm afraid to get off of the screen case i lose it so thanks for listening everyone see you next week some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.